Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. We mentioned that there's a a three-step process that we take people through. The first being clarity. And a lot of what we've been talking about already is those are those clarity points. Like, wait a minute, that's not going to work for me. What will work for me is to get more cash into my control, right? Because if I'm constantly giving up cash to all these places that I can't touch, or that's going to require me to defer the life that's going against what I want, then I have to start thinking differently about it. So that means that I start thinking about my budget differently. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guests are Joey Murray and Russ Morgan from Wealth Without Wall Street. Wealth Without Wall Street is an online community that seeks to re-educate business owners and families how money truly works. Wall Street is not just a street in New York that puts America's money at risk, but it is also a commonly taught mindset. And Joey and Russ today are going to talk to us about, you know, what what is that mindset and, and how do we shift that to create, I think, real wealth and, and real value in our own lives. So I'm really excited to have you guys here today. Thanks for joining the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Our pleasure, man. Yeah. Awesome. So Wealth Without Wall Street, I think that's uh, that's a pretty one. I love the name. I think it's pretty powerful pretty powerful name kind of cuts right to the heart of a lot of what, you know, I speak to on this podcast about alternative investments and investments in real estate. Before we dig into that a little bit, I love to hear, you know, your guys' story and kind of how, how each of you came to, to this mindset. Well, I'll start off, uh, Kent. I started in the mortgage business back in 2003. And throughout that time, I was just kind of following the plan. Everybody else kind of follows. I was doing all the the corporate world ladder climbing, so to speak. But really, I never I didn't have a really clear path on what financial freedom looked like. I just knew that you just need to make more money. You make more money, your income increases, that meets meets financial freedom. Well when I started to get to that point where my income was exceeding what I thought I would really make in a long time, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel any different. In fact, it feels worse. I was getting farther and farther away from the people that I love the most. My wife and my kids, they were the ones sitting there on vacation while dad had to just take one more phone call. 
You know, the, the phone was on the hip. And even though I was there, I wasn't present when I was there. And so I said, man, there's got to be a different way. And putting money in my 401k really just made me uneasy. I didn't understand it. I couldn't control it. And I couldn't access it. And all those things just made me really uneasy. Fast forward to 2009, Russ and I had been friends for a while, several years. And he, he finally sat me down. He's like, hey, look, I'm going to start referring some of my clients to you. But in order for that to happen, you got to read this book. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it. He said, by the way, it's 20 bucks. And I'm like, dude, that's low. That's kind of low budget, man. Like <laughs> you want to refer people to me. Like you should at least give me the book. Like what, what's this about $20? Here's like, the thing, Kent, is that I knew how frugal this dude was. If he spent $20, like there, he was so cheap. I knew he was going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So yeah. I, <laughs> I'm glad he did. I'm glad he charged me to his point. I did read it. And it was exactly what I had been looking for. It's kind of like this mix of, I wanted my money to be growing, but I wanted to have access to it the whole time and be able to then leverage it into things that I knew and understood to create financial freedom. So anyways, four years of implementing those things, I became one of Russ's clients as a result. And four years later, I was like so fired up at a conference one time with him. I was like, I was like, Russ, I, I don't know why I'm not out there teaching people this stuff. Like people need to know that this, these are like secrets that shouldn't be secrets. People should understand this stuff. And so anyways, I went home. My wife was pregnant with our fourth daughter. We actually have five daughters now, but at the time she was pregnant with number four. I said, Hey, you know, Jess, we make over $300,000 and she doesn't work. I said, Hey, I think I'm going to leave this job, this career and just start a business from scratch with Russ. And, you know, I was kind of like holding back, like, wait a minute, what's she going to do? And the immediate words out of her mouth were, you absolutely should do that. And that's when I knew I was like, I'm onto something. This is definitely where the Lord may be leading us. Anyways, that was in 2014. Russ and I started Wealth Without Wall Street shortly thereafter. And now we've been teaching those, like everybody else, the same process that, that Russ kind of walked me through. Yeah. So basically it says I'm his hero. I mean, if you heard that, it was, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I mean, that, that's what it came through for yeah, me. Right. I mean, it, you know, saved his yeah. life. I saved his family vacations, right? He no longer has to answer the phone. Like I can't get him to answer the phone during the week, much less when he's on vacation anymore. He's really taking this. Yeah. He threw his level. phone away. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he's like taking this whole, like, you Give know, an inch. laptop yeah. lifestyle to a whole new level. And no, but so, so sorry. What, what was the book? Well, that was going to be my, you know, my favorite book that people should read at the end. You're, you're, you're getting our, our questions out. Oh, of I'm, I'm just stealing your thunder. <laughs> uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. Okay. It was 100% life changer. Totally made me start thinking everything backwards. And we'll get into the Wall Street mindset. But I was thinking Wall Street mindset. And it was like, like turn 180 well, on me. Well, and the, the whole part of that is, so I, I actually came out of Wall Street. So I was an investment advisor. That's what I did. I worked for, you know, a traditional financial planning firm. I got my certified financial planning designation, you know, had all the answers to all the financial problems, if you will. And then, you know, I, I literally complete my financial planning designation in March 
of 2008, right? You know, like I've got everything solved. And then months later as everything completely unravels around me and it's completely different than any, you know, analysis or scenario that I'd ever learned about in my four years prior of being a, an advisor, much less going through the studies of becoming a financial planner is like, oh yeah, okay. All this stuff I basically learned is bull crap. And, you know, the people I go to and ask questions of like, what, what's going on and why, they're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, what's going to keep it from happening again? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And all, all of that stuff, I feel like I was in the inside of the beast. You know, like I, I was the insider and, and I should have the information. And all these clients are looking to me for advice as to, okay, just tell me it's going to be okay. And I realized that I didn't feel confident telling them that. And the people that I saw information from, they didn't feel confident in the answers they were giving me. You know, now wait six months, nine months later, and everybody goes and says, oh, well, this is what we should have done. If we would have done that, you know, they, you know, great economists are people who act after the fact, right? Well, I'm sitting there going, all right, there's got to be a different way. I thankfully had an opportunity to sit down at a conference in Orlando. I think you said you were in Florida right now. And I was in Orlando, Florida at an event in January of 2009. And I heard the author of that book talk. And just that like was the, the lightning for me to see the writing on the wall that what I'd been teaching people of how to separate themselves from money, you know, do the concept of put your head down, work for 40 years, save, you know, 10% of your money and then live off 40% of what, you know, what you used to make. And maybe you can make it 30 years kind of concept that may not be the ideal scenario because there's so many variables in there that we all know that change on a daily basis. And while we're recording this at the end of a, an amazing bull run, I, I saw that bull run from 2004 to 2008 and I saw quick, it had been wiped away. And for years, people were trying to figure out what had happened. And I know that people really want to value peace of mind, want to be in control of money. And, and that, that's what I started learning. And that's kind of where our path led us to to figuring out what were people doing who were investing outside of Wall Street and how could we not only teach our clients, but more importantly, implement it ourselves. Because I think that's where we all have to look at our advisors and what are they doing? Are they actually more successful than we are? Yeah, I love that. I mean, so many parallels to like my journey where I've come from and kind of the, the same thing of this idea that you're going to, you know, you're going to work hard. And, and I just like, now that I think about it, it just, it sounds like so insane to me, but it is the, the normal way of thinking. It's like, okay, work super hard for 40 years, save up some money and then hope that you die before it runs out. Like that's, that's like the general way of doing things. And like, now that I like say that, I'm like, like what? Like, there's no way that that's right. Or, or the only way to do it. But even similarly, my, my eyes are really opened up in about 2015 was when I really started looking into, for me, the vehicle is real estate investing, but really getting involved and really looking into that and just understanding that these types of investments that, that I put together now, these syndications, we can pull money together and go out and buy a, a big, a bigger, better, you know, apartment building than, than you'd be able to individually even exist. And as I, that curtain was lifted for me, I'm like, oh my God, you can go out and do this. Like, you know, and you can make these kind of returns and like, this isn't, fake or made up. And, and it was just kind of a, yeah, crazy eye-opening, a totally monumental shift in my mindset and, and how I look at money and things as well. So yeah, just, I really understand the journey that, that you guys have been on and, and I really appreciate that. And I think similarly, my, my why is to Joey, as you said, you know, around your family and your children. I mean, the exact same, exact same reason I started looking 
that I left my W2 and started looking, you know, for alternative ways to, to make income was just wanting to be the husband and father that I wanted to be. Not that I was able to be as I tried to squeeze time in, in between, like you said, calls and trips and, and everything else. So yeah. So awesome guys. I really love your story. So let's dig into there's so many places I want to go. A lot of questions for you guys, but, but let's start with what is the Wall Street mindset? Can you help, help us understand the traditional mindset and then kind of contrast that with, with your approach? I'll jump in, Joe. You, you fill in the gaps. I'd say that mindset is exactly what we've been starting to lay out, that, that I, I just have to go to work. I have to work for 30 to 40 years, and I have to save in the typical traditional financial vehicles like IRAs and 401ks and inside of those are the mutual funds and stocks. And I have to pay off my debt over a certain period of time. And I, I have to live, you know, with well within my means and in order to do all this. And, and then I get to enjoy all of these things then when I am 65 or 70 years old or whatever the time frame is. And, and to me, that's a mindset because that's what's been pushed down, right? That's the way we've been programmed. Most people don't realize that retirement as it relates to our country's history is still fairly new. <laughs> it is relates to uh, mankind is really, really new, right? I mean, retirement didn't even come on the scenes until the late 1800s, but that has now been the concept that everybody applies. Like there is a, a, this, this golden time that I get to, I, I put my 30 years in 35 years in at the company and I get a pension. Okay. Well, oop, that's no longer exists, right? <laughs> the pensions are, 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 are like the dodo bird. They're gone. And so now I, I got to put my money in the 401k, a 457, a 403b or SEP IRA, whatever the thing is. And then I get to get it. And, and that's a mindset we call from wall street because who, who in essence uh, benefits the most out of that process is those managing the money. Right. The, the idea is there's four rules to Wall Street. Give me your money. Keep giving it to me on a consistent basis. Let me keep it for as long as possible. And then let me make it as hard as possible for you to get it back. Like if you think through the typical financial tools, that's what we're doing. We're following that mindset. And, you know, just like Joey, I have four kids and I, I don't want to enjoy playing baseball with my kid when he's 35 and I'm 70, right? Like that's just not a <laughs> yeah. thing, right? You can know, hit it on the on the grandkid round, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, like exactly. that's just not as fun. Like I'm not going to enjoy riding roller coasters at Disney, you know, at 60 the same way I am today. And nor will my kids necessarily have the time. Right. I think of those th those songs that that talk about that, the cats in the cradle. You know, you, you think about the Neil Young songs, all these things of hey, one day I'm gonna enjoy this, but one day my kids won't want to enjoy those things that they're asking us to deal with today. And for us, that mindset has really penetrated us too too far and we follow it. And so what we would say is there are solutions out of that, but it first takes the, the reckoning of asking ourselves, is that what I want? And if that's not what I want, what is it that I want? And am I willing to do what it takes to get there? Well, and, and I could add to what Russ is saying here about 72 things. I'll try to keep them more brief, but if you hear the word defer, what does that make you think? It's to put off, right? I'm going to defer taxes. I'm going to defer life in terms of how I, I'm going to enjoy, quote unquote, retirement. And all those things are a Wall Street-ism, if you will. Like, just defer it. Well, I don't want to defer it. Like, if we really get honest with what we want, which is kind of one of our very first steps in our process is clarity. If we get really clear on what we want, we would never do half of the things that we do with money. 
we just wouldn't do it. it. If we got really just point blank with what we want, the things we do with money are constantly in contrast. And, and one of those would be like a 401k. I don't want to put off life until I'm in my 65 or 70 year old time frame. And so what do I need to do? I need to start thinking differently about it. The other thing I would say is when, when Russ says retirement, the, the opposite of that is produce, right? Being a producer is what, when we talk about that within our community, people start to see that we're different, right? We don't want to be quote unquote, taken out of service. That's what retirement means. And it's an industrial age term to begin with. And, you know, if you have value to bring to this world, why would you ever stop providing that? Now, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be taken out of service. I'm going to continue to add value, but I can be smarter about what I do with my time if I do different things with my money. And uh, so anyways, th those are a couple of thoughts, deferring retirement. And another part I'll add to that on the deferring taxes. If anybody studies history on what tax rates have been in the past, and they think that we're in a high tax situation today, they're missing the point. Like this is, we're buying taxes on sale right now. Like this is the clearance rack. Okay. Why would I defer to pay full price at retail? And that's really what we're in. I mean, you, you don't have stimulus bills that are $4 trillion in the last year or so, whatever we're looking at, and nobody has to pay for that. Like, by the way, the government doesn't produce anything. I don't know if you know that. Like, they're not back in the back knitting sweaters that they're selling, okay, to create profit. They're taking your money and giving it back to you, and they're going to charge you interest on that for the rest of your, your generations. Like, deferring taxes is not to your benefit. Stop believing that lie. So 401ks, SEPs, whatever the, the, the wrapper that people are trying to, to sell you, that you don't need to pay tax today. You need to pay it later. You're losing every single time. So anyway, that's a, those are a couple of Wall Street mindsets that we're trying to, to constantly fly in the face of. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I think that that's a good, kind of a good outline of, of where a lot of people stand and, and kind of where, you know, what we're taught. And so, so this idea, so I, I want to get you guys' opinion on this. You know, there's definitely this idea, or at least it, it's a, I guess it's like a marketing or, or a sales tactic that this idea of a 401k is set up really to protect the individual, right? It's set up to, to force retirement planning. Right. And, 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 and de deferring taxes is often one of those uh, benefits that's touted, but just interested in your guys's perception of that statement. Uh, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is a marketing tactic, right? <laughs> it, it is, it is the, the new thing that gets people to invest in the market. Most people don't realize when 401ks really came on the scene, right? There was a guy at a, that was doing consulting for Johnson and Johnson in the early eighties that was reading the tax code, the Revenue Act of 1978, I believe it was, that actually saw the language that allowed for something like this. And he was able to institute it at Johnson & Johnson and created this quote-unquote retirement plan. Well, of course, just like every corporation, they look at Johnson & Johnson, they say, well, they're doing something to be able to you know, incentivize their high execs. We need to do the same exact thing. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. And before you know it, this thing perpetuates through all these major companies, and then they start offering it to the mainline worker. Well, up to that point in time, the average guy on the street wasn't invested in Wall Street. Like that just was not a thing, right? 
So they, through 401ks, made it available to the mainline worker who now could invest in the things that they were looking at as like, oh, this elite idea. So what do you think drove the stock market from 1982 through 1999? It was this investment. It's a lot of dollars flowing it, in. Exactly. Yeah. It, the market grew because the demand was greater than the supply. And ever since then, we've seen that happen. Well, so yeah, it is a great marketing tactic. It's been an amazing tool for management companies and mutual fund companies to manage money. That's how they make money. I, again, I'm okay with that. We just need to understand that's how they make money, why they tell us it's good for us. But as Joey said, Joey is in the mortgage industry. And every time you sat down, if you've ever had a mortgage or any type of loan, you sat down and know some one of those 9,975 pages, there was a page on there that talked about APR, right? Now, let me ask you, Ken, if one of those pages that, ha- that was to tell in detail what the APR for the loan that you were taking out, instead of giving you a number, it gave you three letters, TBD. <laughs> to be determined. Right. What would you do next? Yeah, I'd probably ask for some clarification. <laughs> they, what they said, if their response to you was, well, we don't know exactly how much we're going to need, um, but we will need the money. And when we get to the point in the future when we need the money, then we can back into how much we need to charge you in order to get that amount of money. <laughs> would you have finished the documents? No, no. And, and okay. that's a great analogy. Well, and that's where people are. Nobody, I've never um, asked that question and had somebody say, yes, I will finish signing those documents. But yet we have over 55% of the American population in in the workforce right now investing in signing those documents to their 401ks. They have been sold this lie that they're going to be in a lower retirement bracket when they retire than where they're working, which again, if you retired in the late, or if you started doing this in the early 80s when tax rates were 50%, much less go back into the 70s when they were 70% if you were the highest earner, then yes, you do see them at a lower bracket. But as Joey said, we're we're moving back toward that 50, 60, 70% bracket. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. So for us, come. why in the world would I not take advantage of the discount they're offering, especially right now? I mean, we're, it, we, we know that tax rates are probably getting ready to change pretty soon, but we're looking at some of the lowest tax rates in our country's history why would we defer that to a point that we don't know what the future holds? And then you take in the, the other part of this is that if when we're talking to people, Kent, they're telling us, I want to be financially free. I want mm-hmm. to be able to pick my kids up from school every day. I want to be able to enjoy baseball games. I want to be able to travel with my family. We said, what would it take to do that? Well, I'd have to have my monthly expenses covered because that's really financial mm-hmm. freedom, passive income greater than monthly expenses. Yeah. Okay. Well, how is your 401k helping you do that? Well, it's not. Because right. if, if I'm 40 and I want to be able to accomplish what I just said, to be able to do all those things in the next five years, well, my 401k can't help me there. doesn't matter what the return is. doesn't matter what the match is. None of that matters. doesn't matter what taxes are or any of that. I can't touch the money for 20 years. So why, how is it helping me? Is it getting me closer or further away from my goal? Mm-hmm. And what really happens is that people start evaluating it under what they want. They see, as Joey said, the financial tool that they're using is actually in direct conflict with their goals. They're, mm-hmm. they're literally pushing off the future to 20 years of something they say they want today or in five years. The, the yeah. other part about that, Kent, when you're saying it's a marketing tactic to talk about like protecting people to help them force retirement savings. The, the other side of that coin is the premise is that you're really not disciplined and you're not smart enough to do this on your own, which 
and be yeah. honest with you, kind that of is a slap in the face. Like, why can't we? And I mean, you're, you're sitting here looking at deals every day, right? And you can look at the numbers and you can make a determination. Does this deal make sense? Mm-hmm. And you can say yes or no. If you just take some like very preliminary training on this and educate yourself in these things, it's not brain science. And by the way, I guarantee you, your returns are outpacing the S&P every single time. So why do we need somebody That's else? Right. Why do we need somebody else to manage that for us? Babysitter we don't. Us. Yeah, we, yeah, we talk about money managers, money babysitters, right? We don't need a money babysitter. We know what to do with our money. We just have to take and be a producer. That producer mindset says, I'm going to take responsibility for my money because nobody else will care about it as much as I do. And we got to quit believing that lie that somebody else is. Well, I, you guys made a ton of really good points, but I think the idea that, you know, one, you want to start living before you retire, right? And, and just, just I love just that simple idea of there's a mis- mismatch there, right? It's like, if you want to do something when you're 40, the money's gone. You can't, right? And it's just like, until you're, until you're what, 59 and a half, you can start taking out, right? I mean, you're really like this idea that you're, you're supposed to, to just defer all that, right? As you initially said. I mean, I think that's, that's just a powerful concept when you're thinking about this, just trying to simplify things. It's like, look, if I have things I want to do before then, right, what am I going to do? And I guess then the question becomes, I guess the, the devil's advocate is like, okay, you spend all your money, right? Living it up in your 40s, 50s, you get to your 60s. Okay, like then what happens? Then you don't have that pile of money that you're supposed to draw down from. Right. And so, so now you're stuck and now you have to keep working or, or whatever. Right. I, I guess from a devil's advocate well, standpoint, well, the, the reality to that question is we are now at the point, the first time ever in history where people are retiring solely off of their 401ks that they put in. Right. The, 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 the 401k yeah. started in the early 80s. So think about the person who's 20 years old who started working in the early 80s. Now they've worked there 40 years and here they are. Mm-hmm. They're finally taking money out of these 401ks, the average balance is like $275,000. That's interesting. Yeah. We've interviewed uh, Wade Fowl, which is the most pronounced expert on what they would call the 4% rule. The What percentage, what's the safe withdrawal rate out of an investment that you can take over a period of time without it going to zero? And he initially came up with all of his analysis at 4%. When we had interviewed him, because of where interest rates are, He's actually said it's closer to two and a half percent. So you take that. If I had a million dollars in an account, that means I could take out $25,000 a year. That's pre-tax if it's out of a 401k. $25,000 a year and guarantee that I have a 99.99% chance of it not going to zero over a 30-year period of time. Well, that's that's not that much money. And, and for most people thinking of, okay, well, if I'm living off $100,000, that means I have to have at least $4 million but I got to pay the taxes on that. So I better bump that up to 5 million. And then they go, well, I'm never going to retire anyway. <laughs> right. Because I, I, there's no way I can't do that. And I so think, for me, just the, the two things I'm really taking away that have, you know, I I'm already like, you guys are already preaching to the choir here, but the things that have still really, really hit me is one, you're deferring your life. Right. I mean, essentially that's what you're doing. You're deferring your life to be able to save this money. You can't do the things you might want to do Two. 
it doesn't really work in the first place, right? Because because I, I love the concept that you're saying of like, we're seeing, I didn't actually think about that. You're seeing now, just now, the people that are starting to retire on their 401k and the average balance is $270,000. I mean, it just shows you it, it doesn't work. That's obviously not enough to retire on, right? I mean, if you, like, like, like setting aside what you want to, trips and things you want to take or just daily living. But if you, if you start thinking about things like assisted living or nursing home care, which is anywhere from four to $10,000 a month, and then that starts to get eaten up very quickly. Right. So now I think really, really good ways to kind of think about this and just see, see through, see behind the curtain, right. Kind of be able to be able to see the truth of how this works. And so, so help us understand what the right way to do it is. Well, we mentioned that there's a, a three-step process that we take people through. The first being clarity. And a lot of what we've been talking about already is those are those clarity points. Like, wait a minute, that's not going to work for me. What will work for me is to get more cash into my control, right? Because if I'm constantly giving up cash to all these places that I can't touch, or that's going to require me to defer the life that's going against what I want, then I have to start thinking differently about it. So that means that I start thinking about my budget differently, right? I'll just kind of hit on a couple of high points. Obviously, we don't have time to go into all the details, but that takes you into a control step, which is the number two step. And so in our budget, we start thinking, well, if I'm going to pay down debt, I want to pay it down correctly or optimize my debt. Because some people get so focused in that they start paying every extra dollar that they have to pay down all their debts because somebody told them that debt is stupid and that you should never have any debt. So they start paying down everything, including like their home mortgage and things like this. They potentially, in fact, I mean, we can prove it with our priority payoff guide. They're doing something that is actually going against their financial freedom formula. Like they're putting, they're putting dumb dollars after this debt. It's at such a low interest rate that they could be earning double digit returns and cash flows if they invested them into passive income ideas instead of paying down on their mortgage. And so we, we give them steps through our budget course, our debt course, and then we start thinking about taxes differently. And that gives us, I would say, I don't know, Russ, maybe you can agree or disagree with me on this, but when people first come into like our Wealth Without Wall Street community, they may not feel like they have a ton of money left over at the end of every month, right? They, they look at their cash flow and they're like, man, I just don't have that much. But when they start uncovering things like, well, wait a minute, why do I have this money going this 401k? Or why do I have this money going to pay down extra on my mortgage or extra on this debt that's really optimized? Then they start seeing, man, I, I would say on average, anywhere from $1,500 to $2,500 a month, people will find hiding under their nose if they just start thinking in light of financial freedom today and not deferring life. What would you say? No, that's totally true. I mean, having a framework of how to think through that. I mean, I think a lot of times this stuff is very opinionated and subjective and they listen to the talking heads and they tell you debt is good or debt is bad. Be honest, I don't believe it is either one. I think it's how it applies to you and, and your personal situation is what should dictate that. But yeah, having a framework to think through all of those areas, get your money into a place. And to be honest, the Wall Street mindset, like I said, is to divide you from your money. And what I learned when I read that book, Becoming Your Own Banker, is that the wealthy and the corporations in the banking world does the opposite of what they tell us to do. 
They literally are keeping their money in their control and creating cash flows. And so, you know, I was looking at this and I, and I learned about this concept called becoming your own banker from that book. And, and he was teaching you about how to warehouse cash and get cash at work to create cash flow. And so when we, when we fix the, the kind of leaky holes in, in the ship, if you will, then we can start filling up our buckets. Then that leads us to step three, which is literally picking the course. And a lot of times we're working with people like yourself who are putting together syndications and, and deals in real estate and who can find opportunities that our cash then can go to work at. And it, and it can come back to us in a cash flow because the model is financial freedom is passive income greater than monthly expenses. And while we're working in the world, we don't know how big our number needs to be. So if I'm saving up money in my 401k or whatever, is a million enough? Is 4 million enough? Is 6 million enough, right? I don't know. There's too many variables that go into whether or not this is going to be enough. But I immediately know where I stand if I'm following financial freedom as passive income greater than monthly expenses. Because I can literally take that number, divide it into my expenses, and it tells me as a percentage, how close am I to my goal? So if I have $1,000 a month of passive income, I have $10,000 a month in expenses, I know I'm 10% of the way there. Now, for some people, they can get there overnight. Like they literally can change the way they've been investing, buy assets that can make up that other $9,000 a month difference. For some people, it may take them 10 years, but they have a goal. And as we all know, it's so much easier to run after a goal than an obscure number, right? A number that seems to constantly be moving as it relates to how much money do I need in my account? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that you guys said, again, like, I, I love that you brought up debt and, and how you use debt as a real estate investor. One of my favorite parts of real estate is that you're able to leverage it and, and use debt in a smart way. You're able to leverage, use debt to leverage your money and increase your return. But you use, again, we use smart debt. We're not doing things like credit cards and stuff like that. But this, the idea of using debt, I mean, it's a, you said it's not good or bad. I agree. I think it's a tool, right? It's a tool that you can use and you need to use it in the right way. But another thing that you said was just this idea of like what I, what I would call thinking in terms of yield or like net yield or your spread. So what you talked about paying down your, your, your mortgage or your car payment, right? And just focusing on that and you know having this mindset of all debt is bad and you have to pay this down, you're not focusing on the right things. What you should be focusing on is where else could you put that money to work, right? And then what's the spread you can create off of that? You know, I, I feel like I've had a few conversations, personal conversations uh, with others about this recently, trying to, trying to help folks kind of see that mindset and see how they can, they can put that money to work. Because I think that's so powerful. Like that's when you're using debt in the right way, right? That's when you're getting leverage. That's when you're producing outsized returns. I love that idea. So this idea of being able to put your money, money to work for you, right? Like, I, I love that. I think that's how you create the, the sustainability, right? Because there is, there is this idea if you're, if you're not having this, this pile of money out there for the long term, right? You've got to be putting your money to work consistently so that you always have streams of cash flow coming in, right? So, so how do you start to, how, how does one start to do that? What are you advising folks? How do they start to put these streams of cash flow together? Well, the, I would say the, the number one investment that anyone should make, and they're already doing that if they're listening to this podcast, is to invest in themselves. Like the best investment, the, the highest returning investment is always has been and will be in ourselves. 
So for those of us who have been taught that someone else is smarter and can do better with it, then that's not true, right? The only reason they're, they're able to do better with it is because they have become experienced and knowledgeable in a specific area. And there's nothing that we shouldn't do. If this has the most importance to us and what we want to the result from it, we should take a little time. Not that we have to become an expert, but we need to be knowledgeable. So the first thing we would tell people is to understand who they are. And so we actually have an investor DNA course inside of our community. And by someone going through that, it starts to tell them and help them understand who they are as an individual and how do they look at money and what are some of those things that exist out there, right? There's so many different types of uh, places we can get money to work. We need to create income streams. For some people, they don't, they don't have the ability to maybe invest hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? They maybe have time though. And so that person maybe needs to leave their nine to five and create a five to nine, right? To, to become a producer, to create income, get knowledgeable in what they're doing. Because we know in real estate, for instance, it's knowledge of the deal. It's the opportunities of the deals. And then it's the money. Well, if you don't have the money, go get the other two, <laughs> you know, figure that part out. But then the, the next part of that is that once we have knowledge of who we are, then we can start evaluating, do we need to be partnering with people? Maybe if you're an analytical, you're someone who can look at deal flows. Like I'm sure you guys have, have done several deals and you could say, here's our experience and here's what the deal we're looking at right now. Someone who has analytics can look at that and say, oh, I, this makes sense. And I can partner with somebody who has the expertise and knowledge in this. So every, every part of this is really knowing who you are, which is investing in yourself and, and being able to be willing to, to bet on yourself like Joey did. I mean, he bet on himself to leave a very high paying job but he knew that what he had, the world needed. He could create value that ultimately dollars would follow. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. So you're investing in yourself, right? You got to educate yourself. Like it just, it sounds like a very active process, right? It's not that you guys mentioned, you have to take ownership of, of your financial future, right? And, and I think the, the, if I play in devil's advocate again, the response is like, oh, well, you know, I, like I'm already working. That's that sounds like a lot of work. And I think the autopilot is put the money in your 401k, right? That's kind of autopilot. But I think the thing that you've enlightened me on is that I think I intuitively knew this, which is why I invest in real estate, but it doesn't work, right? I mean, the numbers are coming back and the average the average balance of your 401k is 270. That's not enough to live on. And so it that doesn't work. So autopilot doesn't work. So it sounds like if you want to be successful, you've got to be active in this and you got to, you got to take it in your own hands to a certain extent, right? Well, I mean, if you think about it, what what in your life have you ever just, just sat back and done nothing with and it turned out great? I mean, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I can't think of anything, quite honestly, but I'll put it to this way. We had a, a client in his words, these are his words. He started on this process and he had been doing all the other things that we've been mentioning already. And he said, as soon as I had access to capital, like I was, I, I started taking all these cash flows and putting them back into my control instead of letting them go somewhere else. He said, all of a sudden, my education became paramount. Because my dollars were waiting on me to tell them what to go do. And, you know, you think about that, like that is that is that producer mindset taking over instead of that autopilot, like I'm not engaged, I'm not informed, I'm just hoping. We've already said that strategy doesn't work. Hope is a great thing, just not a good financial strategy. So you got to it's got to be a participatory sport. And uh, we don't, we don't shy away from that. Like we don't, 
We want to ever mislead somebody to think that this is just easy. The formula is easy, right? Passive income greater than monthly expenses. Those numbers are easy to track and to say, how close am I? But the work to get there is not. It's active. And you have to align yourself with the right people. You have to put money into your control. And then you got to tell it what to do. The It's definitely worth the, the alternative. When we have guys like Kevin Sue, we just interviewed the other day, and Sid Christensen, and some of these guys, I'm just kind of thinking about them. Within a year, they're getting to the point where I've got $10,000 a month cash flow in this land flipping business, or this other person is in our uh, short term rental mastermind, and they've learned how to go and create rental arbitrage through short term rentals. And they've got their first $500 a month of passive income in their first unit. Those are the type of things that we see those results every day. So we know it's possible and people just have to take those first steps. And then they see that it's possible. And they're like, financial freedom is way worth the, the investment of my time. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I love the challenge of what have you ever put on autopilot in your life? It's been successful, right? I mean, to, it's totally true. And if you're going to spend time on something, like what, what's more important than, than yours and your family's financial future, right? I mean, that, that dictates everything else. Awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you you guys sharing so much knowledge today. New ways of looking at things, which I think is so important for us. I mean, we're just inundated with, like we talked about, the marketing or, or the sales info, the stuff we see in commercials, the stuff we even hear from our own corporation, right? Are the places where we work. I mean, that's the biggest driver of it. So appreciate you guys bringing a different perspective. Before I let you go, I want to get into our keys to success. So I've got a couple of questions for you guys. First one is, what is the one question that every investor should ask their deal sponsor? I would say, and this just comes from my background as a financial planner, right? I mean, I, I watched it happen over and over again. Those uh, financial brokers were usually brokered than the people they were advising. <laughs> and, and one thing I knew is that the advisor will always track their money. And so if you're going to invest with somebody, you need to find out what they're investing in and have them tell you when they make adjustments. Because if you're if they're not investing in the deal, they're telling you to do, put money in, it's probably either not a good thing, or at least they don't know it's a good thing. And so I would say first, find out if you're taking advice from somebody, where are they put in their money, determine whether or not you should be taking advice from them because of that. Yeah. And I think it, that's so true. It's something that's very relevant in, in the real estate space as well. And the type of deals like that I'm putting together. I mean, we invest a minimum of 10%. Of the equity in every deal, you know, myself and, and my partners, and it's for that same reason because you know I was I was a passive investor first, so I was investing in syndications before I started running my own, and and that was just a general rule for me is I would not invest in something if the sponsor wasn't putting their own money in because it's like well what better deal do you know about than your own deal to to be putting money into like it never made any sense to me so yeah I think a hundred percent. What are you most proud of in your career? And you, you guys can both answer. I think something that's relevant for us today is about a year and a half ago, Russ and I really started applying what we were learning on the passive income side of things. We had gained a lot of access to cash. We'd started on those first few, first couple of steps of the process. And, but we really hadn't started building a lot of passive income. And so we, we started that and and we said, you know what? We want to keep this thing authentic. We want people to hear our good, bad, and ugly reports every single month so they can know, are we legit? Are we just talking? 
or are we actually doing? And so we started a passive income report episode every single month where we just come back. We talk about our land flipping business. We talk about our short-term rental business, our ATM investing, um, e-commerce, like I'm forgetting all the other things, but every single month you can hear straight from us what we're doing, how it's going. And we have, we have some really cool wins and some really like punch in the nuts type things. So, you know, you, you, it, it, but it's really good. It pushes us and it helps make our message that much more relevant. I would say that's accountability yeah. at a very high level. Yeah. That, that yeah. totally, that report does hold us accountable. And I would say kind of the proud part for me and is the fact that I don't know if you've ever played the game cash flow before the Robert Kiyosaki game, but there, there's, there's two stacks of cards, right? There's the small deals and there's the big deals. And when we start playing the game, we play it forever and we we're trying our best to get enough cash to get to the big deal. But we're always having to deal in the small deal column. We're stuck in the rat race. And I feel like for so long, we were working out of that small deal column. And I feel like over the last couple of years, we have started dipping into that big deal column and starting to see some of those opportunities take action where we're turning those greenhouses, if you will, from Monopoly into red hotels. And, and we're seeing the cash flows that come from that and the speed at which we're getting to our financial freedom numbers has been something I've been you know, very proud to, to see us make that transition. Yeah, we like to call those red ones apartments on this show. <laughs> yeah. get, right? I know. And and I, I didn't hear multifamily in your guys' passive portfolio. I'm just saying I know a guy. So <laughs> yeah, well, we Joey, as, as he said, we do have a little bit of uh, syndications in there. Uh, we we do own uh, some apartments uh, over in South Carolina as well. But um, we yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just had to had to had to give plug yeah, no, right. No, no, no worries. <laughs> I love it. So what book should everyone read? I think hands down, I mentioned it up front, but Nelson Nash's book, Become Your Own Banker. It just, it's the bedrock that we've built all of this off. Wealth of the Wall Street wouldn't exist without it. Yeah, there's so many, so many great books. I mean, I could talk about Robert Kiyosaki's books. One of my favorite is a book called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. And because that's who I am as an entrepreneur and Darren Hardy, kind of the found, uh, one of the owners of Success Magazine wrote this book. And it, it to me, kind of detailed the, the highs and lows that I go with and helps me as an entrepreneur kind of like balance my mindset and, and, and how I can perform at a higher level. Oh, very good. Great suggestions, guys. Appreciate it. And last but not least, what for each of you, what is your number one key to success? You know what? Um, I'm going to say there's not been any move that I've ever made in my life that didn't start with just trusting the Lord. And man, he has just led me on this path. I can't take credit for much because at the end of the day, I never if I hadn't met Russ, I hadn't read the book. I hadn't woken up to this whole new way of thinking, man, be honest. I actually talked to my wife about this recently. And she said, she was like, honestly, I didn't know how our marriage was going to end up the way things were going. And I was kind of oblivious to that. I knew I was working a lot and I knew I was tired a lot and wasn't present. Didn't realize that that was such a big hindrance with my wife. And so, man, I just, I took a huge leap of faith 2014 to, to start this business. But man, I just, I keep seeing how the Lord just leads and guides me and my family. And so I would, I would say none of the stuff we actually talked about in this episode matters if if you don't have that relationship with Christ and 
you're not working towards, you know, following him. Man, well, you, you stole the words right out of my mouth as normally like he and I are really just two heads, barely separated. I, I would say that was absolutely number one. If I had to give a, a, a close second, it is being in partnership with somebody that helps complete the areas that you that you struggle in. I think so many people are out there trying to operate in a silo and do things on their own and or at least they feel like that. And and when you can find somebody who who's on the same mission as you are, who can help look for your blind spots and help you in the areas that maybe you're you're weaker in than they are, that's a, a huge blessing. And our partnership has just, you know, quadrupled our business every single um, year, it seems like. And I, I attest it to to those two things. Oh, that's awesome. Great advice, guys. Thanks for sharing. And and thanks for coming on today and uh, just helping us change our perspective, right? Helping us get a different point of view. I think it's really powerful. It looks like you guys have built a very just a, a very good system there. So thanks for sharing it with our listeners. And if people want to learn more about what you guys are doing, how can they reach out to you? Well, we, we want to offer up, you know, one of the things, the tools that we use in the process is a scorecard, a financial scorecard. It helps people figure out where are they right now in light of financial freedom. It's based off of Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game. So it's, we, we don't make up anything new, just kind of use things that helped us. But if you go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash scorecard, you can get access to be able to download your own copy on that. And it'll also give you a free access to our community uh, where you can join other like-minded people. It's, it's its own app. So you can have access to DM us e- even within there. And uh, you don't have to get, you know, totally derailed with Facebook, uh, cat memes and other things like that. So we'd love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a dangerous game. Get on there. 40 minutes later, you don't know where you are. Awesome guys. That's a fantastic resource. And well, that's all listed down in the show notes. So listeners go check it out. You can click the link right there and, and get access. But Russ, Joey, thank you guys so much today for coming on. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's been fun on our end as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro. 